This week on the Big Footy Bombers podcast, I'm joined by Jade as we look at the AFL sanctions handed down to the Essendon Football Club and we preview the weekend's game against Richmond. All that and more on this edition of the Big Footy Bombers podcast. Yes, welcome Bomber supporters to this edition of the Big Footy Podcast. I am the Prosecutor and joining me this week we have Jade. Welcome to you. Afternoon, Pros. Afternoon to you as well. And this week we're going to be looking at the AFL sanctions that have been handed down to the Essendon Football Club. Um, that will be followed by a quick little preview of the Richmond game. And then we'll sum it up with discussing who we want to replace us in the 8 and talking about Tanked 5. So to begin with, uh, we'll have a look at the AFL sanctions, and what we'll do is we'll go through them bit by bit and really break them down, uh, discuss whether they're fair, excessive, or you know maybe even we got a bit lucky on them. So first of all, we have been removed from the finals. We remain in ninth position, keeping our premiership points. However, much to North supporters' joy, there will be an asterisk next to our points to indicate that we were removed from the finals. So I guess, uh, first of all, uh, do you think that's a fair penalty, or do you reckon that's a bit excessive for governance issues? Well, um, it's a it's a tough one to answer. I know that uh, I know that the AFL really did need to make an example um, out of this particular case. Um, obviously, to ward off uh, any possible repeats or even anyone getting it anywhere near um, uh, this sort of sort of issue in the future. However, having said that, uh, I, you know I do think that. Charges and and penalties need to need to match, or you know they need to be somewhat on par with the crimes that you commit. Um, you know we all know you know up until now, and obviously uh, the Asada investigation is still underway according to the AFL and Asada. But uh, there are no doping infringements, which you know really was what the investigation was was about to begin with. So what we're left with is is in fact uh, punishment for governance. Um, I mean it's. It's funny if you say just punishment for governance. Surely there are there, there are several clubs in the league. Um, you know, Melbourne would be the one that's that's foremost in mind. That if you were punishing a club for poorly running its uh, its its off field um, uh, endeavours, then then you'd punish a club uh, such as Melbourne just f- for simply doing a poor job of it. So, and that appears to be what we've been punished for. Um, stripping of the points obviously is, is, is an exceptionally harsh um, punishment. It's never been done in the history of the game before. Um, <laughs> very, very harsh. I understand the AFL probably couldn't afford to have us winning the flag, although I think that would have been very, very unlikely um, at this point in time. So, uh, I mean, what can we do as, uh, as supporters and members? We can continue to support the club. Uh, certainly to start with, those points I think are very, very harsh. Uh, I don't don't necessarily think it was warranted. Um, I think uh, salary cap breaches, for example, um, uh, have been much more serious in the past in terms of they are a deliberate attempt to cheat the game. 
uh, and points have never been stripped. Um, not not from us, not from Sydney, Adelaide, Melbourne. So um, yeah, I, I think that was a little bit uh, a little bit heavy handed. I think it it's probably best to note as well that this is just my personal opinion. I think it's likely what's happened is that the AFLs recognise that it's got to protect a the integrity of the finals, whatever that means, and but also at the same time, if it goes now, it can't go in the future. So whilst they haven't exactly pinned this for taking prohibitive substances, what they've actually done is try to incorporate the possibility that we may have in order to say down the future, you know, should Asada issue infractions or something like that, they could say, well, you know, we punish him on the possibility that this could have occurred. So I think it's sort of a mixed bag between governance and, you know, um, being making it applicable so that in the future they could pass it off as saying, well, you know, they've been adequately punished for this whole saga. Sure, sure. And uh, I don't necessarily disagree with that. Um, I think the part that really rubs me the wrong way um, as far as these penalties go is that uh, we really have had no opportunity uh, for any form of natural justice, uh, much as the AFL has had this repeated rhetoric that, you know, there was no um, uh, preemptive or, or uh, predetermined result as to what was going to happen. Clearly, that was the case. Uh, the club walked in on Monday and obviously we're not aware of what's been happening um, behind the scenes uh, in terms of negotiation. But in reality, it wasn't a hearing to determine whether or not we were innocent or guilty. It was simply a hearing to determine what our penalties were going to be. Um, that, that to me is very disappointing. Um, you know, I, I certainly include myself in the, uh, in the group of supporters that would have liked to have seen this go um, uh, before the courts. Um, and that's not, not necessarily because I thought... Uh, we were an absolute Monty to win such a case, but I think it was really the only place that we were likely to get, uh, number one, a fair hearing, and, and number two, uh, to actually get some semblance of, of clarity and truth as to what's actually happened at the club uh, over 2011-2012. Yep. Um, okay, well, the second sanction we've got is a $2 million fine. Now, that on its own for a club of our financial stature probably isn't too significant. Um, I'd say that yeah, of all the sanctions, that's probably the that's probably the least um, likely to have an impact. However, when you couple that with uh, well, the legal fees that are bound to be incoming, and then couple that with uh, our move out to the flight center or whatever we're calling it these days, uh, it really it adds up. And there was an article today where the head of the head of the coterie group, the Essendonians, uh, stated that. He doesn't know if supporters will be willing to dip into their pockets a second time after donating uh, a million or so dollars towards the flight plan. So, um, is that $2 million fair or is it going to cripple us at any point or is that well, just really a you know, fly off, uh, water off a duck's back? I mean, you've nailed it from the get-go in terms of, uh, you know, obviously... Whilst not the wealthiest of clubs, we are we're very close to it. Um, you know, a financial sanction on its own doesn't appear to actually hurt us. Um, you know, obviously, two million dollars is is not chump change, so to speak, but um, it, it doesn't really doesn't really gain the desired effect in terms of being able to punish the club. Um, the timing is, is is obviously an interesting one. I mean, we're we're a club that historically has has maintained a, a very good um, uh, set of books, so to speak. Um, you know, we've, we've obviously gone into debt uh, for the first time uh, in, in some time in terms of carrying a debt over multiple years with uh, with with the flight centre. 
um, the flight center, sorry, the flight plan. Yeah, it's um, um, yeah, it's getting so, me too. There, there's a go free free plug for a uh, <laughs> for, for a travel agent. Yeah, yeah new major um, sponsor. Should any drop out? Yes, there you go. Um, you know, but you know, comparative to the to the revenue that we're bringing in every year, it was a relatively small amount. But if you add in the the two million dollar fine, which which as I understand it, is going to be uh, going to be paid over three years. Um, you know, plus what is rumored to be around about the uh, the seven figures or million dollars um, in legal fees that we've put out. It, look, it's, it certainly adds up. Um, it's it's definitely manageable by the club. Um, you know, we've shown in the past that from a, from a financial perspective, we were able to manage ourselves quite well. So I don't think it's going to be a, a major drama. But certainly, um, it's it's uh, going to sting a little bit more uh, now than it, than it may have say four or five years ago. Um, I have confidence in the club to uh, to write that uh, that aspect of of the club. Uh, is it uh, is it over the top? No, I don't think so. I think um, that's that was probably an appropriate punishment for um, for the crimes that we committed. Um, so I don't really have a major concern with that one. Yeah, me neither. I think that's uh, that figure's about right, especially in comparison to. Uh, there was five like five million dollars was floated around originally, and figures of that ilk. So. All in all, I think that's pretty reasonable. Um, so the next sanction is the one that's perhaps caused the biggest controversy out of all these, especially from Adelaide supporters and clubs like Carlton as well, which is the loss of our first and second round draft picks in 2013 and 2014. Now, there's a few little uh, mechanisms that happen with this, in so much that during the 2014 draft, after the completion of the first round and before... Um, priority picks and all that sort of stuff commence at the end of the first round. Essendon will receive a um, pick that's been inserted into the draft. However, um, one of the problems is because that has been in, um, you know, manufactured into the draft rather than a um, naturally occurring pick, uh, Essendon's not able to use that as a father-son pick. So potentially if a club nominates uh, Anthony, not, not Anthony Long, uh, Jake Long in the first round or the second round in of next year's draft, then we would not be able to bid for him. We would have to hope that uh, any club, if any club does bid for him, it would be during the third round. And of course, since uh, father-son nomination, or father-son bidding is done before trade week, we wouldn't be able to uh, trade down for a pick to be able to bid for him in that uh, corresponding round. Yeah. So, I guess... uh, is two years, two rounds and two years uh, a harsh punishment? Does it set us back a long oh, way? Because, because it's an interesting one because Carlton comparisons uh, obviously come up with how they uh, draft sanctions crippled that club. But there's a bit of a difference between our clubs because Carlton were really at rock bottom. It'd be That'd be more comparable to St Kilda of today being hit with these draft penalties over the next two years. So... I'm of the belief that the draft sanctions won't hurt us too much, especially because we're still able to trade in four draft picks um, in those two rounds. And also free agency, obviously. Yes, and there's also a free agency, which we've utilised uh, last year with Brendan Goddard. So um, I, I can't see it impacting us too much, but I guess that's going to be one of those sanctions that we're not going to be able to tell um, until Probably five, ten years. Yeah. yeah. So um, well, the, um, there is the one thing that I am disappointed with that though is the father son bidding um, being removed, especially for the first two rounds, because uh, 
Look, um, I was under the impression that it was your next available pick that you had to utilize to secure that person. So I'm not sure how exactly the AFL has um, set that up so that we can't use it, but Adelaide also received a similar penalty, so it's not unprecedented. Yeah, it was a nice little caveat by the uh, by the AFL there to just slip that slip that one in the day after. Um, obviously, someone thought to inquire over it, but uh, I'll tell you what, geez, <laughs> aren't we lucky Joe Danaher's not a year younger? Very much so. Very <laughs> that, much. that would have been disastrous. That, I think uh, I think that alone uh, that alone had he been the year younger would have been a, a greater penalty than uh, than the the loss of points and the draft picks combined. Um, so I look to be honest, I, maybe it's glass it's glass half full, but I'm thinking we've we've dodged a bullet there. Um, we do have some strong um, father sons coming through, uh, coincidentally through the James Hurd Academy. Um, Jake Long, uh, much as I don't know a great deal about him, is, is rather highly rated, but certainly not as much as um, as Danaher was uh, leading into the draft. So, the are, the, are the sanctions fair? Um, look, I I agree with you in terms of you know the assumption has always been that you use your next available pick to to secure a player. Um, the fact that that it happens before trade week week means means that clubs can't. Um, take advantage of that by dropping their early picks um, and then picking up a, a highly rated father son with a late pick. We, you know, we're not given a choice there, so to speak. So I do think that's that's a little bit unfair. Um, the picks themselves, look, I, I was I was a bit disappointed that, that we lost the picks in in, in conjunction with the points as well. Um, yeah, I'm, it's a it's a very strict. Very strict penalty. Um, I I believe compared to clubs that have lost picks um, in the past, we're probably better positioned from a from a list perspective than any other club has been um, in similar situations. Certainly, uh, you're dead right in terms of uh, Carlton, the state of Carlton's list when they when they lost their picks, they they desperately needed those early picks to to start replenishing their list. Um, we have a very good list profile at the moment. Um, you know, as as the announcements come through uh, uh, today, that uh, that Nathan Lovett Murray and David Hill are both retiring. Uh, neither of those, you know, much as they've been fantastic servants of the club, are, are great losses to us. Um, it, aside from Dustin Fletcher, who is going to be playing when he's forty five years old, we don't really have anyone that's going to um, going to retire any time in the in the next three years, I would think. Um, so, yes, it, it won't hurt us as much. Uh, I'm disappointed that they went for the two years. I think the points themselves were, were were a very harsh harsh penalty. So maybe they could have stuck with one. Um, I'm I'm happy to see that uh, that the club managed to negotiate its way into a first round pick or end a first round pick um, for the second year. I think um, possibly we're we're understating the importance of that one pick um, in in well, what is effectively what's that 15 months time. So. So um, I think we've done okay from that particular perspective. Um, we're not going to know. We're going to have five, six, seven years before we're going to know whether or not the loss of those draft picks are uh, are going to be a major impact to the club. Yeah, and I agree. It's it's a matter of time, and anything here from here on in speculation regards to that. Um, all right, next up is probably the major focus of the sanctions: uh, James Hurd's twelve-month suspension. Yeah. Now, I feel that I have contrasting views to most Essendon supporters on this. I think the 12 months was warranted. I 
just don't think that you can really justify saying that Heard wasn't responsible in some fashion. Um, because in the end, he was a senior coach. He did set out to implement this, and as such, the responsibility rested on him to make sure that um, there were safeguards in place so that the events that took place didn't take place. That's not to say he should receive a white ban or anything like that, but I reckon 12 months is probably an adequate suspension. It keeps, I think it keeps, apart from Heard, I think he keeps all parties happy. Essendon supporters can have him back a year later. The AFL get to be seen as a, um, have the stakes on a head, a uh, head on a stake, and um, I think everyone, I think Heard will be better for having a year off, being able to relax overseas or something like that, and just be able to get away from it all. Well, it's I mean, look, it's 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 still very very raw, um, so to speak. The penalty having having only been laid down. Um, a couple of days ago. Um, look, I'm, I'm I'm very much in two minds about this one. Um, I, I could probably sit here and talk for half an hour just on uh, just on this particular penalty. I I I'm not sure whether it's excessive. Um, I'm the the point I keep coming back to as far as Hurd's penalty goes, and I'm I'm not quite sure whether saying he was the he was the head coach and therefore responsible um, uh, for this for this particular debacle. Um, certainly, I believe he has some responsibility, but I mean, where, do, where does the buck actually stop? Is it, um, you know, is it, is it hurt himself? Is it, uh, is it Kukorin, um, who, you know, supposedly does run the football department? Was it Robson as the CEO? Was it even Evans as, as the chairman? Um, I think it's, it's an easy thing to look at James Hurd and go, well, he's, He's clearly the most visible um, uh, of anyone that you could point out uh, at the club that may have been responsible for this, and that's not to say he has no responsibility for it. Uh, but I think um, it, he was certainly the the primary target uh, from from the get go, uh, way back in February when when we first uh, got this awful news that we had this potential issue at the club. Um, you know, it's, it's apparent that, uh, the AFL and, uh, and the media, that, that, that was certainly the head that they wanted. Um, you know, I, I am firmly of the belief that it, it was that absolute trial by media, um, which was disgraceful in my opinion, that, that drove this desire to have heard removed. Um, you know, as we know, we've seen it in the past, the AFL does tend to bow. To, uh, to public pressure, so um, you know, I've heard people, and you know, I did, I did see uh, in passing Jason, Jason Ackermanis's comments about uh, about the Golden Boy getting off uh, a little bit light. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, the opposite is probably true. That the fact that he is James Heard and uh, um, was this visible totem of the Essendon Football Club that that probably cost him in the end. Um, it's uh, it's it's a tough one to swallow. I can't possibly imagine how the man himself um, feels about this. He he was clearly of the belief that uh, that he was, um, whilst probably not innocent, he he was being um, unfairly targeted for this. That uh, that that the charges that were laid in front of him were nowhere near the truth. He clearly wanted to fight the charges, um, you know, and the the behind the scenes machinations and and obviously now we're only referring to uh, to rumors and and, and half truths or innuendos but uh, that that eventually uh, Paul Little has come to him and and, and asked him to take this hit uh, for the club and I, I I can't possibly imagine how a man of his um, ego and and competitiveness um, uh, and and personal pride uh, how how he managed to swallow that so 
Uh, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure it, it's hurting him. Um, I'm glad that we're going to get him back in a year. He's, he's certainly the senior coach that I want at the football club. So, um, as uh, as we all suspect, I think we'll get Bomber um, for uh, for most of the year and, and probably through to the end of the year next year, even when James Hurd is eligible to come back. But uh, I, I am looking forward to having him back for uh, for preseason of 2015. Well, I noticed that you said uh, preseason of 2015. It was it's been raised that. Um... Heard suspension would likely end before the end of the home and away season, so I'm I'm of the view that I prefer um, whoever's coach. So let's say Mark Thompson's coaching, I prefer him to coach out the 2014 season as opposed to Heard coming back in for a finals run. Uh, do you concur with that, or do you think as soon as he's available, he's straight back in? Well, I think we're we're not going to know, are we, until we get to uh, to the pointy end of next season? I think uh, invested in, as I suspect, uh, based on the the quality of the list, is is, is rather high on the ladder at the end of next uh, of next year. Uh, it'd be very hard to argue that you need to change the senior coach that's got you there um, uh, at that point in time. However, if invested hasn't performed um, uh, very well next year, I think you would you could probably mount a strong argument that is. The day that he's available, you would uh, you would bring him back in, and, and a lot depends obviously on how Mark, uh, well, you know, making the assumption that it's Mark Thompson, um, how how Bomber feels about it himself. Um, you know, he might be very very eager to give it up at the at the first possible opportunity. Um, you know, he may very well want uh, to coach the season out. Yeah, no, I guess um, that depending on how he's feeling. So. Yeah, I guess that comes down to who's actually coaching at the time and the context of the season at that point. Um. All right, well, next up we have uh, Danny Corcoran, who's received a six-month suspension, two of which are suspended, so effectively it's four months. Uh, personally, I, I would be happy if he didn't come back to the club. Uh, I found it rather interesting, the athletic, uh, members of the athletic community who were very eager to come out and claim karma over this for him. Uh, and to be honest... And I think that kind of vindicates Dean Robinson's version of events where he claimed that Danny Corcoran threatened to you know, ruin his world or whatever it was. So um, I would honestly be happy. I, I wouldn't be fussed if Danny Corcoran never came back. Well, um, I don't know. I think I'd, I'd, I'd probably disagree with you on this one. And um, I think it comes from the fact that, well, look, first and foremost, I think that of, of, all, the, of all the people at the club, um, Corcoran should have been the the one that was held most accountable for this. Um, I, I, I personally believe that the football department ultimately um, comes under his jurisdiction, for lack of a better word. Yep. Um, so he, he really should have been the, the, the pointy end of the stick, uh, as it were. Uh, having said that, um, I, I have absolutely no problem at all um, with Corcoran or anyone else in any industry um, immediately removing uh, an employee uh, from uh, active employment um, if they feel that they're, they're potentially damaging the organisation. Oh, I have no problem as well with um, him firing someone if he deems it necessary. I mean, look, let's and this. I mean, obviously, we're touching on the Robinson interview again, but um, you know. He's well within his rights if he believes that Robinson is potentially causing harm at the business to to, to stand him down, um, and that, you know it's not as if he was uh, he, he was thrown out the door uh, with no employment. He was fully paid, um, you know, simply stood down over the over the very real uh, and you know at the time unknown uh, possibility that there was still a persistent problem at the club. So I've got no issue with that whatsoever. I think that uh, I think 
Robinson's interview and uh, and and you know obviously that being part of it was 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 complete uh, complete not a joke. Um, so if, I mean Kokorin, I think you know that that part was fine. I think his suspension is probably warranted, uh, as I said earlier, being that I, that I believe he he really should have been the pointy end of the stick. Obviously, he doesn't have the the giant profile that James Heard does. Um, you know, so hence the reason he he's not been hit with as harsh a stick. Um, I'd be oh, look, I'd be happy to have him back at the club. Um, I, I I don't have any well, <laughs> the athletes that did voice their their opinions on Twitter um, after his punishment that that's fine, that's well within their rights. But uh, merely one of them was Tansen Lewis, so. Yeah, so look, you know, not everyone has to be a nice guy in this world. If uh, if he's if he's potentially a little bit gruff with people, I don't really have a problem with that. So I, I would welcome him back to the club if he does decide to come back. Um, you know, having said that, he he obviously doesn't have the well, he doesn't pull on the heartstrings, so to speak, like James Heard does. So if he did decide that he didn't want to come back. Uh, or the club decided that they didn't want him to come back. I don't think anyone's going to be uh, too upset over that. But um, I, I, I think his his uh, suspension, well, his actions, you know, he probably warranted a suspension. Uh, I think the suspension was a uh, was of a good length um, uh, for the crimes committed. Um, and I think he uh, and the club will move on from there. Yep. All right. Now, Mark Thompson received a thirty thousand dollar fine in what was perhaps the most bizarre charge coming out of this uh, for a man of Thompson's wealth and for his profile. I don't. I don't. First of all, I don't see why he got charged. And then, secondly, if they were so adamant about charging him, I don't see why um, they're only giving him a thirty thousand dollar fine. That's pretty much like saying, you know, you've done nothing wrong here. It's just this is a token punishment. So I'm well, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit amused by that one, to be honest. What do you think? Uh, how do you quantify the the difference in authority and responsibility between himself and James Heard? Um, this this is the, this is the most bizarre part of the, of these penalties to me. How there's such a a gulf in the um, in the uh, severities of the punishment that that Heard and Thompson receive. That's not to say that uh, that I believe Thompson should have been suspended. I think the the penalty he got was was probably the most apt of all of them. It was. Um, um, you know, we've been we've been charged for for governance issues for Christ's sake. I think that a, a slap over the wrist for him was was probably the uh, uh, the best course of action. But I'm, I'm I just don't understand the logic um, uh, in the AFL's decision at that point in time. It's it's just bizarre. Uh, I'm sure Thompson's reasonably happy about it. <laughs> so you take yeah. that one and move on. I dare say. Yeah. And finally, uh, Dr. Bruce Reed. Uh, appeared before the AFL Commission today to contest his charge. Uh, he requested that it be heard before an independent, um, independent uh, sort of jury or commission or whatever you want to call it, uh, with a, a retired, recently retired Supreme Court judge to preside over it. Um, in the end, the AFL obviously haven't agreed to that, so that looks like at this point that Reed will be taking it to the Supreme Court. Isn't it funny that the uh, that the same request that that, that Herb was making um, is exactly what Reed's making, and this one's passed without without much fanfare at all. Um, I look to be honest, I think that's 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 the right thing to do. Um, you know, personally, I think all of these charges should have been heard in front of a uh, uh, an independent party. The fact that we've got the uh, the oh, I suppose the the party laying the charges, um, the prosecutor. Uh, the judge and the jury are all the same body. I, I just think that's that's 
beyond comprehension, to be honest. So, uh, Dr. Reed, I, geez, I hope he wins. Um, I, I, I would wonder how the club, um, Heard uh, and Kikoran will feel uh, if Reed is successful in his challenge. Um, I don't believe anyone. Whilst I don't think that anyone uh, believes he should be should be found guilty of anything. Um, from what we understand, and you know, having the fact that this was an AFL investigation, and really not much of it is public. Um, from what we know, uh, he he did make efforts to uh, to put a stop to what was bothering him. So. Uh, good on him. Uh, I'm glad he stood his ground on this one. So then, as a collective, uh, just a final little judgment. Uh, the bundle of sanctions fair, uh, excessive, or are we lucky to get away with what we have? Uh, very excessive. Um, I still have some some serious concerns about uh, Paul Little. Um, I'm, I'm genuinely concerned that uh, that when David Evans stood down, um, Paul Little came in, and the 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 vibe, for, for for lack of a better word, coming out of the club was obviously very confrontational um, at that point in time. Uh, that we were going to fight, that we were going to challenge, and you know, at the end of the day, it, it looks like we got the penalty that the AFL was trying to hand down from the get go. Anyway, so what exactly has he done? Um, Damien Barrett actually reports today, and take that as you will. Um, that I know exactly how I'll take that one. Yeah, um, that the penalties that David Evans were negotiating were actually lower than those that we accepted the other day. Yeah, I uh, wouldn't believe a word that comes out of Damien Barrett's mouth, to be honest. So <laughs> um, I, I have no idea. Um, it may very well be, possibly not. I, I just don't know. So, but uh, certainly Barrett would not be the person I'd be going to for reliability and truth. Yeah. So, um, yeah, from my point of view, that I think uh, if you account for the fact that this uh, acts as sort of a... It prevents the AFL from double-dipping should any infraction notices be issued or any further developments come to hand. I think they're pretty fair, or if anything, we've got a bit lucky. Should nothing result from the ASADA uh, investigation, then perhaps there's an argument that they are excessive. Well, they had to make an example of us, didn't they? Yeah, and, they uh, and they did. I think we all understand that. But, I mean, in the end, they were always going to be um, seem, accepted, uh, seem somewhat excessive to Essendon supporters and be somewhat lacking in impotence to opposition supporters, really. So, it was well, I, I, did, about you, finding that sort of middle ground. I don't think you were ever going to get agreement there. You were yeah. never going to get agreement there. Exactly. A question for you, though. Yep. Um... Considering that these sanctions have been handed down, considering the uh, the, uh, the sorry the Adelaide Football Club issue that we had recently, um, uh, considering quite a few of the scandals we've seen over the last five years or so, uh, do you really think Andrew Demetrio is the uh, is the appropriate man to be leading the executive of the AFL going forward? Well, I think that's a very good question that the AFL Commission has to address. I mean, he's been there for what about ten years now. It's been a while. Yeah, so. Um, Jeff Kennett was is always harped on about his rule that you don't spend more than six years or something like that at the one organisation in the one role, and perhaps it's better if um, you know Andrew takes his time to leave. Like you know, if he wants to try and clean this Essendon mess up first, then all power to him. But you know, after that, it might be better if he just sailed off into the sunset, so to speak. Having said that, Gillian McLaughlin doesn't exactly fill me with confidence, so it's kind of uh, weighing up. Uh, the lesser of two evils. Surely, 
surely the AFL has to take a level of responsibility for for the debacle we've got here, uh, both in the in the preventative measures, which which were effectively non-existent, and you know if it's true that uh, that, that James Heard was was warned um, uh, about peptide usage, um, you know many many moons ago, uh, and that's not being followed up. The fact that there really isn't um, uh, an adequate uh, rule in place to deal with the situation that we find ourselves in now. Um, the AFL does need to put their hand up and say, well, look, we are partially responsible for the issue we've got here. Uh, the other side of that, obviously, being the the, the, the media coverage uh, and the blatant um, uh, leaking from the AFL, uh, particularly to uh, a nameless Fairfax uh, so-called journalist, um, is, is utterly disgraceful. Uh, it just it makes a mockery of any any form of natural justice, and uh, honestly, I think the AFL. Whilst I don't think they actually will, I, I really think they should be answerable for that. Yep. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up there. So um, it'd be nice if that was wrapping up the whole AFL Asada investigation, but likely we're going to have the Asada uh, investigation hanging over our heads for a while yet. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be closed anytime soon. To be honest. Yeah. So um. Right after this, we'll come back with the Richmond preview. We finished ninth again. The Richmond Tigers finished ninth again. In any season, you will see it is our fate to miss out on the eight. We win a few, then lose a lot, and then it is too late. We just went down the drain. We've never been much good since 1982. Be it Crawley or June, Northy or Geesh, we win a few late and just miss the eight. We finish ninth And welcome back. And ironically enough, it is uh, Essendon that will finish ninth this year as we come up against Richmond in round 23, who somehow or rather will be playing finals for the first time in about 12 years. Uh, the last time they act- Richmond actually played finals... Uh, they played Essendon in the final round before succumbing to them in the qualifying final. So it's been a long time between drinks for Richmond. And with, uh, you know, obviously we can't go anywhere from ninth now that the AFL sanctions have been locked in. Uh, the Essendon Football Club has brought in a couple of players to play a farewell game in David Hill and Lovett Murray. Potentially Leroy Jetta will play his last game for the football club. While Elliot Kavanagh finally gets a game much to the prosecutor's delight. Um, <laughs> and I did just refer to myself in third person, as sad as that is. <laughs> and coming out of the team is Joe Danaher, who has been admitted, so he'll play in the VFL final against Werribee on Sunday. Uh, David Myers has been withdrawn with illness. Uh, Nick Comer has injured his hand, probably got it stuck in his hair. And Heath Hawking has been suspended. Uh, of note, to much to the joy of every Essendon fan out there, Ar- um, Alwyn Davy plays his 100th game, and thus his kids are now eligible for the father-son rule. Best news of the year. That is. Um, there was a bit of worry that with him getting subbed out that he might not get to uh, elusive 100 games, and his four boys would be uh, open. Up for grabs. Yep. <laughs> but um, once he gets down the field, once he gets named on that team sheet... Um, well, they should be Essendon boys down the track, hopefully, if they're any if good. He, uh, 
if he had broken his leg, uh, I would still expect to have named him for this game and, and simply wheeled him out onto the ground and then brought him back off just to get that 100 games up. Well, there's yeah, there's no reason not to, really. I mean, at this point in the season where, you know, we can't really do anything, um, you know, we can't make finals. Uh, if he doesn't play this week, um, if, he, if he played VFL this week, he'd be able to He'd have to well, sorry. He'd have to play VFL this week to be able to to play game VFL games after this week should Essendon win. So yeah, I, I mean, he could be dead, and I still expect us to name him. <laughs> but um, I guess the question that really needs to be asked is, uh, do we have anything to play for at all? Uh, no, I, th- I think we do. I think. Um... Look, if if Essendon is able to come out, uh, and I'm I'm definitely not discounting Richmond, if they are able to come out and get a strong victory um, over Richmond, um, I think it sets us up very very well going into the next year. I I'm of the opinion that we we will enter next year already as as one of the top four or five teams in the league. Um, you know, so a, a strong victory here uh, will obviously display that to the rest of the league. It will give hope. Um, and excitement to the, uh, to the fan base that desperately needs it. Um, so I think that there's genuinely something here to play for. I believe the players themselves, and particularly if you saw their reaction after the uh, after the Carlton victory last week, really do want to get out there and win games of football. Um, so I think there's a lot to play for. To be honest, uh, I know the media's chalking this up as a dead rubber. Uh, I don't think it is at all. Uh, I think we've got a lot to prove as a football club. I think with the uh, the penalties that have been handed down, obviously, um, you know, and obviously with the with the the very large exception of of the Asada investigation, I think this is a, this is an opportunity for the players to put a, an exclamation mark on what was an otherwise quite hard season. Yeah, and I think yeah, you pretty much nailed it there. Um... There's also, uh, there's just that sense of pride as well, and perhaps there's also the, um, arresting this, uh, slide that tends to happen at the end of the, um, end of the season as well. Because, I mean, if we, if we can win this game and, or at least be very, very competitive in it, then, I mean, that's finishing the season rather strongly with two wins, and it limits that slide to just four games. Now, I mean, if we can continue next year to limit that, say, to two game, uh, two game down period, and that's you know seventeen, sixteen wins in that. When you look at the top, top four, four. yeah, exactly. And um, so I think it's I think it's actually pretty vital that we um, you know keep going out there and actually win this game and show that last week wasn't uh, an aberration. Absolutely, uh, re- really, really happy to see. Aside from Elwyn Davy, um, really happy to see uh, Alec Cavanagh on the side. Um, I was I, I was genuinely worried early in the season that he may have left the club. Um, due to the lack of opportunities, but now that he's re-signed and to see him in there, I've got a lot of faith that he's going to turn into an absolute quality midfielder. Um, lovely to see David Hill and uh, and Nathan Lovett Murray back, but I'm sure David Harper is not overly happy about having <laughs> those two in a game when they know they don't have to uh, have to back up the week after. So um, that's that's great news, obviously. Um, Lee Rogetta, I think you're, you're 100% right, is, is probably playing his last game for the club. I'd, I'd be very surprised, despite the fact that he's contracted, um, that he'll be with us next year. Um, I think that would be a mutual separation there. Yeah, look, and to be honest, we're, we're likely to get uh, either a late second round or, or you'd think a third round um, pick for him. So it's, you know, it, honestly, it's, it's, it's a freebie to us. We, we are going to need to trade back into those, um, to those rounds if we do want to pick. And, 
uh, if he wants to leave, and, and obviously I think as you said, it's 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 going to be it's going to be mutual. Um, we'll be able to get him to wherever he wants to go, and uh, and we will get some some fair compensation in return due to the fact that he is uh, he is contracted. So um, it's it's looking good. I'm 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 reasonably confident leading into this game. I think uh, I think we've we've got a list that matches up quite well with Richmond. Uh, I think we showed that earlier in the year. Um, whether we're not whether or not we play to that capacity um, is entirely an entirely different question. Um, I'm I'm still crossing my fingers and thinking that uh, that Joe Watson has probably got enough votes up to be pretty close in the Brownlow so far. Um, so if he's able to have a a big game, we we might actually be seeing a back to back Brownlow medalist. Um, particularly considering that Gary Ablett's having a little bit of a lean patch at the moment. So um, plenty to play for. Uh, looking forward to it. I'm, I'm certainly going to be there, as I know you will be, um, for the last last game of the year. Um, and then we look forward to 2014. Well, um, uh, just to break, uh, to break your heart there, I won't actually be there, unfortunately. I have work that day, so... Oh, rest mate, as, rest assured, doing? Rest assured, I'll be on the couch. I'll have a gym bean in hand, and I'll be thinking of the boys at the Tanked. And I will be hoping for an Essendon win. Very disappointed in you, mate. Very disappointed. I'm disappointing myself as well, but <laughs> a man's got to put some bread on the table. <laughs> um, also, it will be Simon Goodwin coaching the team this weekend. Um, he's been really, he's received very high raps uh, during his tenure at Essendon as an assistant coach, and obviously he's uh, been earmarked by the board as a potential suitor should James Heard not come back in the long term. Well, um, I, look, I, I, this is only a personal opinion. Had um, had, had James Heard been rubbed out permanently, uh, Simon Goodwin would have been my choice um, as uh, as the senior coach for the club if he was if he wanted to take on the role. Um, the fact that we will have, um, to the best of our knowledge, Heard coming back for either late 2014 or the 2015 season, I think Bomber Thompson would be the right choice for a year. Um, sadly, I think we, we will we will eventually lose um, Goodwin, which is I a shame because yeah. I think he's been a fantastic coach. Um, it's not just the personnel; um, it's uh, it's it's the manner in which we've played and and the the, the way we've approached a game uh, in the midfield has definitely changed um, under his watch. So I, I can't can't praise him highly enough, and I think that uh, whoever does end up grabbing him as uh, as a senior coach is going to have an absolute ripper on their hands. Yeah, I agree, and um, I've been an advocate for Melbourne to pick him up with um, potentially getting someone like a Paul Ruse or a Rodney, well, perhaps not Rodney E, because he's already got that sort of happening at Collingwood now, but maybe even a Mark Williams to act as that sort of Mark Thompson to Simon Goodwin foil. And, yeah, look, I, it and seems to really to be... and, and really establish that sort of um, long-term coach at another club like Melbourne, because... For all the fanfare that a Paul Roos gets for Melbourne, I can't see him doing that for like a five years or something like that. So I guess, um, you know, you get what you can out of someone with experience and then you allow a young coach that has shown a lot of promise like uh, Simon Goodwin to prosper. And obviously a game on the weekend as coach is, you know, we're doing the world of good. So it seems to be a rather the, the fashionable thing to do at the moment that when you bring in a young coach, you uh, you have some uh, old hand uh, next to them to guide them on their way. I, I tell you, I'm I'm not overly convinced that that's the way to go. Um, you know, sometimes I think you you really just need to take a chance on 
uh, on a guy, a, a coach, and um, uh, get him in, give him the reins, and, and let him have it. Now we know playing the percentages, the majority of coaches fail, um, but but I certainly think that'd be the way to go. And and uh, Simon Goodwin, I've got a lot of faith in him. He's he's uh, he's going to make a good coach. Yeah, and no, I agree. I just think though that with a club in Melbourne's predicament, especially that, um, yeah, that that might be a bit more suitable, especially with um, you know because they can't really afford to take the risk. As, as much as, say, an Essendon 2010 where, you know, we probably would have been able to take the risk, but, you know, we're conservative enough to realise that, you know, we've got Mark Thompson available, so we'll bring him in as well. I think Absolutely. Melbourne I think Melbourne might benefit from going down that path. If it was someone, say, a West Coast or something like that, then that's a different story, but, yeah. Well, hopefully we can hang on to him for a year or more yet, but uh, I certainly wouldn't begrudge him if he, uh, if he wanted to seek other opportunities elsewhere. Yep. All right, so we'll get on to the predictions. Uh, so, winning margin, winning, te- winning team, uh, best on ground, leading goal kicker? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, with the Bombers. I think that uh, there is a lot to play for here. Um, I, I, I truly believe that, uh, that there's not a lot to play for for Richmond. Um, a win would put them in fifth spot um, and, and give them a horrendously dangerous um, possibility of, of being the one and only side to lose to the ninth best team um, in uh, in the first round of the finals, and with Richmond's history of of finishing ninth, that that would just be embarrassment tenfold. Um, I believe uh, we'll win. I think it, the margin will be around about the five goal marks. We'll say thirty points. Uh, best on ground, I think, will be uh, will be Joe Watson. I think he's shown uh, over a long period of time that he is the uh, the, the dominant player at our club, and uh, and I, I I think Richmond will struggle to shut him down. Uh, leading goal kicker, I'm going to go with uh, probably Paddy Ryder for this game. Uh, I think that uh, whether it's Jake Carlisle or Michael Hurley in the forward line, they will take the majority of the attention. Um, and I, I'm guessing that David Hill will, will get a lot of opportunity in the ruck um, for his last game. So we'll go Paddy Ryder for leading goal kicker. All right. Um, I'm going to go with Richmond by about 12 points. I think Essendon will be competitive, but I think Richmond's just going to get over the line. Um Best on ground, I will go probably a Dustin Martin, um, you know, in a dead rubber. It's always going to be him who... That's going to be a front-runner like a Martin, maybe, that will um have a real big night. But I reckon Michael Hurley is going to top the goal kicking with a bag of four or five. It'd be nice to see. Oh, it was good to see him back in form. Like, first game in, in some actual ripping form. I think he's um he's he's been a bit harshly done by lately. I know he's uh, he's had his injury concerns, but uh, generally generally speaking, when he does play, he he plays quite well. Yep. All right. So we'll start wrapping this uh, podcast up with uh, finally, who do you want to see replace us in the eight? So there's about there's five candidates, four of them somewhat realistic. Uh, Carlton to make the eight would just need to beat Port Adelaide. Brisbane to make the eight would need Carlton to lose, and then. Brisbane to beat Geelong at uh, Skilled Stadium, which is unlikely. Then North Melbourne's next in line. They would need uh, the above two teams to lose and then them to beat Collingwood at the MCG. And then failing that, there's Adelaide, who would uh, who have a have to make up about 60-point differential between Carlton. So, for instance, Carlton losing by about 30 points and... Uh, Adelaide winning by about 40 would see them likely move in against West Coast that is would likely see um, Adelaide move into that 8th spot and then there's West Coast way back who have to make up at about 160 odd points 
um, Carlton, then that's just not going to happen. So, I guess, out of those first four teams, who would you like to see replace Essendon in the eight? Well, I think the North Melbourne is, is in my opinion, the, the the best of those sides. But I've got to tell you, I, I really like the idea of Carlton um, making the eight uh, cap in hand, so to speak. Um, I've been long critical of the of the quality of their list and how they've been building it. So the the idea of uh, of the only way they can make the finals is to have uh, have it handed to them from ninth place. Just just tickles me right. Yeah, and I think also to go with that, there's also um, it's just a fascinating matchup: Richmond versus Carlton, uh, and that would just be absolutely hilarious either way that goes because either Richmond choke or. Either Richmond will choke or they'll absolutely belt Carlton. That's one, one of the two. I think. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> either way, there's, uh, there, there's quite a bit of humour to be had yeah. in that result. <laughs> and should we beat Richmond, then it would be Collingwood who will likely finish in uh, fifth spot and Collingwood would absolutely tear yeah. Carlton apart. I think Collingwood would have very little difficulties with, with, uh, with Carlton. I think uh, Collingwood, honestly, they give me uh, more hope than uh, than any other side in recent years of, uh, of actually taking the flag from fifth place uh, or outside the top four I should say so um, uh, I'm going to be watching them uh, with interest through the final series yep all right um, and we also have before the Richmond game uh, there's more pre-game shenanigans being planned with uh, tanked five I yes you'll be able to tell us a bit about that yeah we uh, we are going to have our final shindig for the year uh, at the uh, the London tavern in uh, in Richmond um, from 3 p.m uh, as we've done four times previously tank five this time around so I'm very much looking forward to it the uh, last opportunity to uh, uh, to sink a few beers before the game with uh, with some friends so uh, if you are in the neighborhood please do stop by and introduce yourself and um, I'm sure we can find a seat for you. Um, to sit down and enjoy a beer. Yep. Um, no witty name yet? I think we're going to go with Tanked 5, You'll Never Wipe Off 5. Beautiful. And with that, that's about all we have time for today. Uh, just a reminder that this podcast is now available on iTunes as well. Um, so listen to us on the way to work, on the way to the football, or any other time that you deem appropriate to listen to us. We've got lovely voices, and I'm sure we'll make your day much better. <laughs> um, so thanks for coming on, Jade. It's always a pleasure. Pleasure. And as always, see the bombers fly up. Hope so. They all try their best, but-